a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. Welcome to Force Ghost Coast to Coast. My name is Brian Salvatore. We have a really fun show for you, which I'm going to tell you about in just a second. But I want to let you guys know a few things up top. First of all, you might notice I am without my friend Alice W. Castle this week. Alice has decided to step away from the show. Everything is cool. Alice and I are still buds. We just uh, were talking about it, and she didn't feel like it was something she was really uh, wanting to do for a little while. So... Uh, she is always welcome back, and I hope to actually have her on to talk about something pretty specific in a few months, but we'll see how that goes. But until then, you're stuck with me and some new friends who you'll be meeting next month. We have a, a sort of a new format we're trying out. We're finally going to two episodes a week. I mean, a, a month, rather, not a week. Goodness gracious. Um, anyway, starting in April, there will be two Force Ghosts every month. Uh, we're doing a, a series leading up to episode nine which is gonna be a lot of fun as well as uh new shows with two new co-hosts who you guys will meet next week next month rather i am very excited about this and uh yeah so please stay tuned starting in april for season three of force ghost coast to coast and uh yeah i hope you guys enjoy it but this month we have a guest on the show he is a longtime star wars fan he is a podcasting legend and his name is Matt Belknap. If you have never listened to Never Not Funny, you are missing out on one of the absolute pinnacles of podcasting. And Matt has been with the show since the very, very beginning. Matt is uh, involved in a number of podcast ventures. Um, indirectly, Matt is responsible for this show because we host this show on a uh, podcast uh, hosting platform that he is a part of. And... Uh, we met actually talking about that platform and talking about the potential of a Multiversity Star Wars show. So if you've enjoyed the show, thank Matt Belknap. And uh, Matt and I are going to talk a little bit about being dads who want their kids to like Star Wars and sort of how you can navigate those waters without pushing things, without being kind of uh, forceful in it, but, you know, maybe a little bit being forceful. But Matt also talks a lot about sort of his uh, his Star Wars origins, and it's a super fun show. So uh, he talks about where to find him on the internet at the uh, end of our interview, but uh, you can find this show and many other great podcasts at multiversitycomics.com. We have lots of Star Wars coverage. We're trying to ramp up some Star Wars comics coverage, getting back to book reviews, all that fun stuff. So definitely check us out for all of that in the not-too-distant future. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Brian Needs a Nap. You can, uh, of course... Always tweet at the show, at ForceGhostC2C. And like I said, uh, in April we're going to have two episodes. They're going to be a lot of fun. I'm very excited about it. And so uh, until then, may the Force be with you. Well, I am joined by Matt Belknap, a, a godfather in podcasting. 
I, I think uh, self-proclaimed <laughs> probably not so much, but we all think so. Uh, he is the co-host of Never Not Funny. He has been a podcaster since what oh six. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Matt is a uh, is a pro at this, and the other thing he's he's a pro at is being a Star Wars fan. When Matt and I first got on the phone to do some podcast business. I think we talked podcasting for like three minutes and then Star Wars for an hour. And uh, <laughs> that was right before The Force Awakens came out. So that was that was a long time ago. Um, yeah, yeah. So first of all, welcome to the show. Uh, glad to have you Thank here. You. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, yeah, yeah, good to have before you. Before we get uh, too deep into our topic for today, just sort of what's your Star Wars history? What was the first movie you saw? What was your uh, you know initial favorite character? What do you think of the new stuff? Give me sort of the, 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 yeah, sure. the quick uh, recap here. Yeah, uh, well, I don't know how quickly I can do it because it's been a basically a lifelong obsession. Um, I was uh, my dad took me to see Star Wars in the theater. It, it was I think we did some uh, not that long ago actually. We we talked about it and and sort of figured out it was not. I was I was three years old when it. Well, actually, I was two years. I was about to turn three when it was first released. So we figured out by sort of piecing things together that it was probably on one of the many. You know that when when Star Wars opened, it 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 played for over a year, I think, in theaters yeah. um, on some level, and so I think it was probably more like spring or early summer of '78 that I saw it. Um, but uh, and I and I I, can't, I I've over the over my life I've sort of pretended that I remember that experience, but I probably <laughs> don't actually remember it very well. Um, I I definitely remember you know, having the action figures. I, I know the, there's like, there's a delineation in my brain of like, because I lived in Connecticut when I was, well, I lived in New York city when I was, uh, zero to three years old. And then I lived in Connecticut for a couple of years and then we moved to upstate New York. And I remember playing with my star Wars action figures in Connecticut. So that, that was a bigger deal. And then having like the, the record that there, there was like, I think it was a, a book that came with a record sort of like one of those like toy records that told the story of the first Star Wars movie. And so that I probably knew the, the plot of it more from that record than the, and the book and the movie itself. But then so but but it was a you know, it was a huge deal. Matt. When, when we moved from Connecticut, uh, the one thing that got lost in that move was my my, my original Luke action figure, which was devastating. Oh, like that was one of the most traumatic experiences <laughs> of my young life, which I I held on to a lot. And like to to make it up to me, my parents tried to make it better by getting me the uh, Dagobah Luke figure, which I was still excited to have. But it was like it's not the same thing. Like he doesn't have a lightsaber in his wrist. This is terrible. Um, but the, by yeah, so by the time we moved, I guess it was eighty uh, or something. And then and then I I have much a much more clear memory of going to see Empire Strikes Back. Um, I, part of the memory is that we dropped my dad off at the movie theater to wait in line because back then you would just get, you know, usually you would just show up when the movie was about to start and buy a ticket. But in this instance, he had to set up a lawn chair and sit and read a book for two hours while we went and had dinner without him (laughs) (laughs) with some family friends. And, uh, and then we came back and then saw Empire Strikes Back, which, you know, was amazing. And by then I was so you know, steeped in, in all of it. And, and so it was just like, you know, as you would imagine, an incredible experience to discover, you know, the relationship between Luke and Vader and all that stuff. So that, that, you know, hit very, very hard. And then, you know, every Christmas there were, you know, different Star Wars toys and things happening. And, uh, and Jedi, you know, for me, 
I know a lot of people think that movie is a little corny, um, but I was uh, I was eight years old. I think I was turning nine that summer when it came out, and um, and yeah, it was I loved it. It was great, and and then you know uh, I think there was that period. You know, this doesn't happen anymore because you know media is omnipresent in our lives, and there's no there's no getting away from things anymore. But there was that period of time where Star Wars just kind of went away for the most part. Um, there was nothing new happening for, you know, a, the latter half of the eighties. And, um, at least that I was aware of that, I guess there were novels and stuff, but, but even um, that there wasn't I, that much I, at that time. Yeah. It, it was kind of like, I, there was no roadmap for keeping that going, I think. And so most people kind of thought, okay, it had this incredible run and now it's over and now it can be relegated to the dustbin of kind of corny genre stuff, the way kind of the way Star Trek had been before it, where it was just kind of like. This isn't that like people didn't really think highly of that <laughs> kind of stuff at the time. It did, there was no sense like there is now of like, oh, this is actually culturally significant and has maybe has something more going on than than, you know, popcorn fare. So, yeah, it just kind of went away. You know, when the video games, when LucasArts started putting some stuff out in the 90s, I was like all over that. I was really excited to, to sort of get back into Star Wars through video games and um and then when they re-release, I was in college when they started re-releasing. When when Kenner Hasbro started re-releasing toys, so I was big on that. I was collecting all sorts of stuff like that. And and then yeah, and I mean, I just kept. It didn't really stop from that point forward because you know then you know people started getting excited about the special editions, and then the special editions came out. By the time they came out, I lived in L.A., so I, I got to go to the Chinese theater to see special editions and. Um, just even going to the movie, I remember like buying tickets to see, oh, damn, now I don't remember what it was. Some very forgettable like Denzel Washington movie, I think, just to see the trailer <laughs> for the first special edition. I don't even think it was the episode one trailer. It was literally, or maybe it was, but it was, yeah, it was some movie. I, nah, I wish I could remember, but I remember going to this really nice theater in Westwood, um, the, the, the Bruin, the Man Bruin Theater is a real nice big screen they have a lot of premieres there and i remember just going there just to watch the trailer before this other movie that i didn't care about at all. <laughs> so that yeah so and then you know the prequels were that was a whole roller coaster where i was like could not have been more excited about them coming out and you know i saw the first i saw episode one three times in the first weekend and you know i went to the midnight screening and then i went to another showing of it like on friday midday at, at the chinese theater because i couldn't get you know that when that happened the tickets for the, 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 the first screening at the Chinese, you had to wait, you know, people, there was a whole news cycle about how people waited in line for a month to buy those tickets. So I didn't get involved in that. I sort of kept living my life, but <laughs> I was able to get tickets for like the following day. And then I, you know, went and saw it in, in the Chinese because that's, you know, that's the lore of Star Wars is that, you, you know, the Chinese theater is like this significant spot in the history of Star Wars from, you know, Lucas having a burger at the um, hamburger habit across the street and, and then on opening day and then seeing the line around the block and being blown away, which I, I don't know. That might be somewhat apocryphal. You would think that he probably had some inkling that it was going to be successful by then. But I don't know. Maybe the, the claim is that he didn't know if it was going to bomb or what was going to happen until he saw that line. And he was kind of like amazed. But anyway, it's, it's always fun to go there. And they've got R2 and 3PO's footprints outside and all that good stuff. So that was cool. And But, you know, I, I, I basically had to do mental gymnastics to convince myself I, I liked it. Um, and I did those gymnastics. <laughs> and then over time, over the next, you know, episode two and episode three, I kind of started to, you know, it's, it became harder and harder to, like, convince myself that these are good movies. And, and, you know, probably 
by the third one, or at least, you know, uh, six months after the third one, I was like, okay, those actually weren't great, but we move on with our lives. And, and then, you know, I was just, I I actually, after those movies, I was kind of just like, yeah, I I hope they don't make more. Um, I hope Lucas doesn't make more because as much as I love the original trilogy, I just, I think he, he kind of, you know, he lost sight of, or I, you know, I think he just changed. Like just everybody changes over time. And, and, and he also, you know, relationships with people that were in his life in the seventies and eighties were no longer there. And I think that people who had a, a pretty big influence over the first movies were no longer there to sort of keep some of his, to rein him in a bit. Yeah. To, to keep his less great tendencies in, at bay or uh, under control. So yeah, I, I was just like, I don't really know what's going to happen. So I, I was sort of caught when when Disney bought Lucasfilm. I was kind of cautiously optimistic that there'd be a new direction. I wasn't like a huge J.J. Abrams fan, but I I you know I I liked Alias and um and um there you know I thought this could this could work and this could be okay. And then of course by then I had kids and so the whole and I know this is what you sort of wanted to talk about, which is like the key thing is like what do you as a, if you're obsessed with Star Wars and then you have kids like how do you handle do you do you try to steer them towards it? Do you do you try to let them discover it on their own, or or, or just let the chips fall where they may? At, at that point in time, my let's see, 2015, uh, my daughter was seven. Uh, she was born in 2008, so um, yeah, I think that's right. Am I doing my math you right? Anyway, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. She well, she was six at the beginning of 2015, which is, and and my son was only three who's two of turning three so um so i i did show I, I put star wars on one day early in 2015 and my son was too young to have any who care at all i mean i think he kind of thought he kind of peaked his interest was peaked by r2d2 but i think that was about it and i think zoe my daughter just kind of walked out of the room after a little while it's <laughs> <laughs> not a success but then i realized i forget how i discovered this but Marvel had reissued the original Star Wars comic books that the the comics that covered, you know, like they I think most probably most of your listeners know or, you know, I'm sure you know that Marvel cut a deal with Lucas before Star Wars came out to publish the story of the first Star Wars movie in in uh, a series of comic books that would start coming out before the movie came out and then conclude after it was in theaters and then they did that for the first three movies, and then they filled in the the in between time with with original stories and come some a lot of somewhat crazy stuff, I think. Uh, but but they took they made a hardbound version of just the comics that told the story of the first movie. So I bought that, and then they made two, you know, they made they made uh, Empire and Jedi as well. But but I, I was mostly just like interested in like getting the comic book of the first one, and then I read it to Zoe. Um, or read it with her. I mean, you know, I, I was reading it to her, but she could read by then. But anyway, yeah, we were reading it and she got into the story of it. And and then she was like, and, and this was all obviously in preparation for, I wanted her to care. I wanted them both to to care about it by the time uh, Force Awakens <laughs> right. came out. Because I wanted them to be excited about it and, and for it to be a fun family thing that we could go to. And I, and I sort of realized that my son was going to be roughly the age I had been when Star Wars came out and my dad took me to it. So that was kind of a weird parallel. But I basically read this comic tour and she got into it and then, um, you know, then wanted to watch the movies and then, you know, was was really got really into it. And um, and so when 
Force Awakens came out, she was like raring to go. Charlie still didn't really care, but he was still he was fine to go along with the ride. I don't know like how much he really absorbed of it, but um, but yeah, Force Awakens came out and and I loved it. I thought it was uh, you know it was there were like tiny little things that I think I was and oh by the way I did see it. My wife and I saw it like the Thursday, just the two of us. Like we got a babysitter and went and saw it, and then we took the kids to see it at the El Capitan, which is like the the Disney owned theater, which is ironically across the street from the chinese theater uh, <laughs> it's it's but, the exact progression that, of star wars happens in this movie theater yeah story. it's weird it it is kind of weird yeah it's like that that's like the geography and the, and the real estate story <laughs> it could like sort of parallel what happened with with the the intellectual property of star wars but uh but that's where disney has all their big premieres and stuff and uh and you know it they do some they, they do a kind of fun pre-show thing sometimes there's like a like a live performance or like a laser light show or something so it was, it's a fun place to see it so we took them to see it there on like saturday matinee and um and a big thing like i loved it i i thought you know there's like little things that i had to get over just as a star as a lifelong star wars fan who you know you you can't it's so hard because you're gonna have so many things in your head that you're hoping for or thinking about or what is it going to be but as as i watched it more than once and, and especially watching it with my kids and a little bit seeing it through their eyes but then also just kind of like reflecting on it after it had been out. I just I really think it's as good a Star Wars sequel as we probably could have ever hoped for in terms of I know a lot of people think maybe it's too derivative of the original. I think they kind of had to do a little bit of like a soft reboot thing for new audiences. I, I think that was probably part of the mandate. And I'm not mad about that because I I also think one of the great things about it is like the new characters are great like I, I loved ray i loved finn i loved um you know bb8 and and uh the whole thing like i just thought um in fact i actually think that's like one of the disappoint one of the slight disappointments for me with last jedi is that they didn't ha it didn't feel like they had that much confidence in in the fact that these new characters were interesting and fun like that we could just run with them and not be so um like tied to like what are we doing with Luke and right, you know right. all these other things? But that's a whole different episode. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to have you back forever. at some point to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's such a weird conversation too because it's this turned into a political right. debate, which is uh, I think odd. Overall, but, um, did I mean, you I, enjoy the Last Jedi? Um, I the first time I watched it, I I had a I, I had a real hard time with it. The second time I watched it, I liked it much much better. Um, and I think I've only seen it those two times now. Um, and, but you know, there's, it's one, of, even the first time I saw it, I thought like the, I thought the last 30 to 40 minutes were incredible. And I, and I just kind of felt like there was, there was, it was, it needed some editing. I just felt like this, there's two, uh, it's, it's just drags a little too much in the middle and, um, especially stuff with Ray on the Island felt a little repetitive to me. Like this is just kind of nonsensical and not moving, not, not, we're not going, we're not, this isn't moving forward at all. This is just kind of, um, getting bogged down. Like when you think about, when you think about Luke on Dagobah, I don't know what the actual, you know, I don't know, timestamps on it, but Luke, and, and people make jokes about how, how did Luke become a Jedi in like five minutes? You know? <laughs> in the but time like, it takes Han and Leia to escape the empire, he becomes a Jedi. Yeah. Right. Right. But on the other hand, it, did we really want to see him doing handstands for 20 minutes? <laughs> it's boring. And, and that's kind of what they did with Ray is like we had to watch her look in a mirror for 25 minutes. And I thought that was sort of boring and, and redundant. 
Um, but I do love the stuff with her and Kylo Ren. Like that was very interesting to me. And I think I still think Kylo Ren remains one of the most interesting characters in in the history of Star Wars. Like he's he's so it, t- the fact that they could create a unique villain in the shadow of one of the most iconic villains in film history um, is very interesting to me. And I, I think they achieved that because he's he is conflicted, but. But they're still, you know, where we where we're sitting now prior to episode right. nine's release, still don't really know which way he's going, which is really, really fascinating. You know, that's there's that tease. There's like a double, triple tease in Last Jedi where you don't know which way he's going to go. And then he sort of lands on the ne- on the dark side. But that's not done yet. So I, I, I think that's really interesting. It's, it's interesting you say that, because when I saw The Force Awakens the first time, you know, I had avoided all spoilers. I, I saw, you know, Midnight, so there was nothing. I had no preconceived notions. All you know is that Kylo Ren is this is the villain. You don't know his relationship with Han and Leia yet, all that. When he right. asks Han for help before he kills him, I thought, like, this this could be an amazing swerve if he's not the villain of the franchise. And yeah, then he kills yeah. him. And then yeah. with Snoke, you think, oh, well, he's not going to be the villain of the franchise. And then he does it yeah. again. So it is a, it is an interesting progression for that character that we've never really seen before. And I still think it's possible that that this, this trilogy is going to end with him turning, you know, turning around. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I just don't know. Yeah. Like, I think that's that's kind of an interesting mirror image of you know, what we are used to seeing in Star Wars stories where, you know, somebody like, you know, obviously Anakin becoming Vader, it's basically the, the would be the inverse of that starting out evil and becoming good. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, that, I, I just give them, and I think Adam Driver is a really amazing actor and a really unique screen presence. And so I, I think that stuff is all great. Um, I definitely think the uh, Canto bite stuff is, is bad. You know, I, 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 that felt very prequely to me as, as many people have noticed and, and noted, uh, and, and, uh, and kind of a waste of, it's a waste of money and it's a waste of our time you know, in terms of the story. If we had more time, uh, I would vaguely defend Canto bite to you. Okay. Um, All right. Well, yeah, I, I know you have other things you want to get to. So <laughs> well, get well, I, last, again, last Jedi could be like, you could do years of podcasting could. just talking. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite you right now, before Episode Nine, watch The Last Jedi yeah. again, come back, and we'll do a, a deeper dive in The Last Jedi. I will, I will definitely be watching it again, and I will I'd be happy to come back and talk awesome. about it. Because I, I'm still a little conflicted. You know, I, I've done other – I've even there's – a, there's a podcast, uh, a guy named Joseph Scrimshaw does a podcast called Obsessed, and um, it's just about people talking about whatever thing they're obsessed with. But every time – every Star Wars movie that's come out since – uh, Force Awakens. I've been a guest on that with a couple other Star Wars fans, and we've talked about it. And um, you know, the other guests who I've become friends with, um, they loved. I think that all three. I think Joseph and uh, it's um, Riley and, and Clark. Uh, look up those. They're good podcasts. But look <laughs> look up if you want to hear more about this. But basically, they they love Last Jedi, and and they're coming from that perspective of this is what Star Wars needed. Like Star Wars needed to become. Uh, it needed to evolve and change yeah. and, and thank God that it did. I think I'm still the, you know, sadly the middle-aged white guy who <laughs> sort of wants it to be what it was for me as a kid, which is, um, you know, Luke is the hero and I want him to be heroic. He was. And, and I want, damn it, Matt. Yeah, he was. He was. <laughs> that's why. And that's why I loved the end of it. But, you know, like, but, but seeing him having to watch him go through all of the, 
stuff that happens in the first two acts of of Last Jedi. I felt like was, and I know, I think Mark Hamill himself even kind of feels this way. <laughs> it's like, it was a little bit torturous to be like, man, you're really hammering how this guy has basically just kind of like frittered his time. He fucked up. <laughs> yeah. And he's not the guy that we wanted. It's not the guy that we wanted to believe he was when he, when he exited stage right in episode six. And so, you know, I don't know that it just, uh, it was tough, uh, especially because I think JJ teed it up at the end of force awakens one way with probably with a certain vague idea of what would happen from there. And I think Ryan Johnson had a much more complicated, um, and maybe arguably more interesting, but, but definitely a, a less conventional idea of what it means to, um, sort of walk away from being a hero. I mean, it's, it's an interesting question, but for me, star Wars is, is ultimately it's escapist entertainment, even though I right, love it. And right. it's, it's a, it's a part of my life, but it, but I, I think, I think sometimes it buckles under the weight of uh, heavier, more complex uh, philosophical questions. It, you know, the, the beauty, the, I think it's almost accidental with the original movies, but it's it, the beauty of those movies is their simplicity. Yeah. And, uh, and when, when you try to get fancy, it starts to feel kind of weird. And um, so that, I think that was a, a struggle for me with, with last Jedi, but I did get over it and enjoyed it a lot more just the second time, just knowing what it was right. in for, because the the big thing with that movie is no matter what you want or what you think you, what you think it's going to be or what you want? It's definitely not. It's de like they succeeded, you know, with flying colors. If their only goal was to surprise people, because it, I don't think any single person walked in there going, well, this is what this is going right. to be. I mean, cause it's insane. It's, it's kind of an insane movie. Uh, and I, I mean, I guess that's, admirable i i kind of felt like it went too far in trying to be interesting and surprising and, and lost track of uh of some fundamental things but that you know yeah. again we'll talk about it <laughs> my uh another my sort of highbrow half figured out theory about the last jedi is that luke is star wars culture essentially and that <laughs> it went away for a long time we came back to it and it was lame and then it's now redeeming itself <laughs> that's a very good read i really like that read yeah <laughs> Yeah, and then, but then, but what is the fact that he dies at the end? What is that? <laughs> that we have to that let we go. Have to, we, we have. To, we have to. It, yeah, I mean, I think that was the. I like. I. I think I talked about this too on on that other podcast. But I was. I. I. I kind of sunk into a depression after the first time I saw it. And I, normally with a Star Wars movie, I'll see it like you know at least with, um, with uh, Force Awakens and I maybe even with Rogue One. I think I'd you know I would just see it and then see it again immediately and you know want to see it as many times as I could handle in theaters like right away, but after I saw Last Jedi the first time I didn't want to see it again and I didn't see it again for like two or three weeks, and um, but I should also say my daughter loved it and so I was I was sort of trying to to ride the uh, you know I was trying to just cling to okay like can I enjoy it vicariously but I just had too many of my uh, too much baggage of my own. But but I think having that time of, of wrestling with it, like I said, I, I felt legitimately depressed because it did feel like you're asking me to kill something that's lived inside me for as long as I can remember. And I don't that's not what I want of this. I, I want you to just make me feel good and make me take my mind off of the world outside yeah. for a little while. And, that, and especially at the time and when that movie came out, it was, you know, it's and it continues to be. A sort of tumultuous time in our country right, yeah. so i very much looking for an escape and it was very much not that and that's 
that's a that's a whole other issue there, too. But yeah, I, there's also a, I, a part I, of this that I think no one has talked about as much as maybe uh, as much as I think about it, which I think all of us went into that movie knowing Carrie Fisher was dead, and when yeah. you see that she was so clearly set up to be the star of the third one, you couldn't mm-hmm. help but be sad at the end of that movie. I think that that was a big part of the depression. Yeah, I mean, it just. I mean the the fact just having watching her knowing you're watching basically the last her last performance if you don't count catastrophe which is also great but very different mm-hmm. uh, but knowing it's this is the end of of Princess Leia or General Leia um, it just it just forced everyone to sort of go back into the feeling of you know when we all found out that she had passed away it's it's awful and yeah and, and it couldn't be more it's so it's such an odd ex- experience because. On one level, we're kind of sad about what's happening with Luke, and and we're sad about how their relationship is, how, how the film chose to address that parting and that ending. But then on top of that, there's a much more real sadness, <laughs> like a reality-based sadness about the the actress being gone. And then and then so then there's that third thing, which is what I think what you're saying, which is. Um, what the hell are they going to do? You know, like, this, is, this is a terrible, for just, for just from a filmmaking standpoint, this is a, a terrible disaster to have to, to course correct from what was clearly, you know, maybe where they were going. Uh, you know, it seemed like there was a nice symmetry to, okay, episode seven's going to be Hans, episode eight's going to be Luke's, and episode nine's going to be Leia's, and that's a nice little um triumvirate a way of of closing out the three major characters of the original story and and now we don't get that and uh and i know they're gonna pull some footage to try to yeah they're gonna try to to make her a part of episode nine and maybe that'll work you know i'm not saying it's not gonna work it's just obviously not gonna be what it would have been if they had written a script knowing they had her available yeah um i my daughter is younger than yours. My daughter's about to turn seven in a few weeks. Um, but mm-hmm. she loved The Force Awakens also. And I had shown her, I guess I started before The Last Jedi showing her all the films. And I had this very um, sort of uh, important goal in mind, which was that I wanted her to watch Empire before somebody spoiled Empire for her. That that was, <laughs> that, that was a, yeah. a very, very meaningful goal in my life. And... Uh, so, you know, we watched A New Hope, and she loved it. We got to Empire, and I'm I'm not even watching the movie. I'm just watching her watch that <laughs> yeah. scene, you know? And How old was she? She was, I guess, like four and a half, maybe mm-hmm. five. She wasn't yet in kindergarten, because I wanted to get it done before kindergarten, thinking some little shit in her class Smart. is going to say something to her. Um, but so yep. I'm watching her watch it, and she turns to me, and she goes, This is great! <laughs> and I was like, "What?" And she said, "And she said two things. I forget what she said first. I'm going to tell it in the better order for storytelling, even if it's not actually true." But the first one goes, yeah. "She said, now Luke has a family," and it was Aww. a really sweet. Like I, I would never have read it that way. And I, I yeah. was like, "Oh wow, that's that's a really powerful way to read it." <laughs> but then she goes, and it's just like on Sesame Street because there was a there was a Cookie Monster like fake Star Wars thing. Oh, oh, so so. Basically, Sesame Street. Yes, exactly. I, I rushed this whole thing for no reason. Um, yeah. Uh, well, the, yeah, you know, I think it's unavoidable. My daughter was in preschool, um, so she was probably four, maybe not even four yet, when another kid just ran up to her randomly and was like, Darth Vader's Luke Skywalker's father. 
I still am mad at that kid. It was a really sweet kid, but I'm still mad <laughs> yeah. at him. But it, I wasn't even close to showing it to her. So it's like, I, I don't know how I would have protected her for another two years. I don't know what it would have been before yeah. she was. It's not even that she, it's not even about when she was ready to see it. It's when she would would have cared, because like I said, she didn't care, you know, well into age seven. It was just really that comic book. Oh, wait, seven. I keep getting the ages <laughs> mixed up. But whatever the the beginning of 2015, she didn't care. But luckily, that comic book turned her around. Yeah, I, I just think it's so embedded in our culture that it's just really difficult. Yeah. And and the thing I've thought, so, you know, talking about, like, how to get kids into it. Uh, Charlie is not as into it. And he's still, he's he's about, he's turning, he's actually turning seven uh, in a month. But What's um, his birthday? April 12th. Oh, my daughter's April, April 12th, because they'll be the same, they're about oh, the same okay. age then, yeah. Oh, nice, nice. Okay, yeah. So, uh, with him, I, I've just been, I've, I've kind of laid off it a little more because I don't want to force it. I think I probably forced it a little bit with Zoe, and she ended up liking it. But now she's kind of, I don't, I wouldn't say she's over it, but she's, she got way, she got really into Harry Potter, and, um, and she's, she, she got really into Hamilton for a while. <laughs> <laughs> and there's like other things that she loves, but, um. And I, I think she still cares about Star Wars. Like, I think she'll still want to see the movies. But like, yeah, she likes Marvel stuff. Like, I it's weird. Like, over the last couple of years, I've gotten way more into the Marvel movies. Um, and in some ways, like, I'm. I mean, here's the thing. I'm excited in theory about Episode Nine, but I'm trying not to. I think I overhyped Episode Eight in my mind because Episode Seven really. St- stuck with me in a positive way. Like I, I forgot the key lesson, even though I had different feelings about rogue one and, and other stuff that was happening. I forgot the key lesson of a star Wars movie is that you can't go into it thinking it's going to be great or else you're going to be no matter what, you, what, whatever, no matter what it is, it's not going to be it. You can't have expectations. I know everyone's going to have some expectation and you can't fight that. But what you can do is just keep in mind my, my mantra now is that every Star Wars movie sucks in at least one way. <laughs> and I think that's true even of the best ones. Um, like if you look at, you know, because there are people who aren't into Star Wars and they watch New Hope and they're like, this is garbage. Like the acting is bad and there's just like some really clunky stuff. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, but the bigger thing is what matters. And it's but like I, I reached an age and I reached a point in my life where I could look at Star Wars, the original, and say like, yeah, that's, yeah, you're right. That is kind of, bad on some level but but the big picture is it's great and so that's fine and and so like with episode seven i thought it was mostly good but there were there are some things that aren't good in it and um and i was able to just live with that and and but with episode eight i think i was so excited about episode seven and like i'm so glad that worked out basically because i i was so i was scared that episode seven was going to suck and it was going to be heartbreaking but it, it didn't and then i was so excited so I kind of forgot, oh, this these can still suck. Like, th- there's nothing saying they're not going <laughs> to suck. And so, like, I, I, I think what the mindset I'm in now is, like, to not really I'm, – I'm trying to be very zen and just, like, not think about it. And luckily, I think Disney has finally realized after the solo semi-debacle that they need to lay off, too, and just let people, like, let people get a little distance because the, sort of the magic of it is – you got to you've got to be excited. You have to want it again. And I think sometimes like solo was too soon and people weren't like people were so sort of a lot of people like me were turned upside down by 
Last Jedi, and and then just like I don't know, I I don't think I'm ready for another <laughs> yeah. Star Wars. Like, give me a break. Like, let me let me catch my breath. And and I actually like Solo. I I think Solo's fine. Like, I I think it's a it's fun. fun. Yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah, it, it's it's like it's kind of more the Star Wars movie I I wanted when when Last Jedi came out. Oddly enough, because it is escapist and just very straightforward. And um and and yet I just felt like uh I mean like I'm already I just had like a like Last Jedi is such a meal it's it's like a, even if you like loved it or hated it it's still yeah. a lot to go into a new movie five months later it was too i mean it was honestly like it could have been two movies easily there was so much in it like it was just too much content and so to then throw another whole movie at you i'm i'm glad that they're not like i, I love that there hasn't been a trailer i love that they haven't announced the title i want i want it to just kind of be like a little more stealth i mean i know of, i know probably after the next Avengers comes out, they're, they're going to turn their attention to just like hammering Star Wars. I, you know, Disney has other stuff that some, you know, they've got the Toy Story sequel coming out and, and the Lion King live action thing and all that. And, and Aladdin, like the, all, they've got a bunch of huge stuff coming out. But I think I think they realized correctly that uh, Infinity War kind of stepped on Solo. And so now they're going to be like, let's just let Marvel have this sort of quarter. Yeah. You know, we're going to have Captain Marvel. We're going to have this this like sort of huge end of this chapter in the Avengers saga. Let's let that breathe. Don't don't cross the streams. Don't get anything confused. Like don't don't distract people with anything about Star Wars. Watch. I'll say this, and then tomorrow they'll drop a trailer. But like that, if I were if I were running the studio, I would say do not even put one drop of Star Wars information out into the world until Avengers has had its chance to just kind of run. And then let's start stoking the fire again, because that's, I think, when people will be ready for it again. But I guess I started out by saying, like, I've gotten more I've gotten sort of more into the Marvel stuff just because it's it's more for where I'm at with my in my life. I think it's just more like what I was looking for in these types of movies, which is just to, like, have have fun and and think it's kind of soapy and it takes your mind. You know, it's it's not it's not consequential and it's not like it, it's not. I did love Star, uh, I loved Spider-Man as a kid, but I'm not like I don't have as much of. Uh, there's not as much at stake, whereas with Star Wars, it's like there's too there's uh, there's too much at stake. In some well, ways. It, like, it's amazing how much Star Wars becomes just a, a piece of your like existence in a way where you almost don't recognize it. Like, and, and yeah. this is true. My wife does not believe me, so she is not a Star Wars fan at all. Um, mm-hmm. And we, uh, my son's name is Ben, and was not mm-hmm. named after Obi Wan Kenobi. It was even though it's my favorite character in Star Wars, it wasn't, and. When my cousin came to uh, to meet the baby, he was like, oh, Ben for Solo or Kenobi. And Aaron shot me a look like, what? And I was like, no, I swear, <laughs> I swear it wasn't. But, like, maybe it was because it's so ingrained into my DNA of just loving Star Wars. You know, it's just – it's it's hard to, like it, – it, it's such a part of my life all the time. And it does – you know, it's the first movie I remember watching at home with my dad is Return of the Jedi. And – uh mm-hmm. You know, I um, I got a job in a movie theater to see the force to see um the Phantom Menace a day early because theater employees mm-hmm. got to see it the night before. So I got a job yes. for that reason. Um, you know, so it's been a huge part of my life forever. And uh, you know, I was really scared that my daughter was going to start watching it and hate it, and that didn't happen. And now we've gone back and watched the Clone Wars, and we're uh, about halfway through Rebels right now. 
and we're just, you know, she's she's enjoying it, but I'm I'm trying to make sure it's not a fire hose that she's drinking from. So just like, you know, a little yeah. bit here, a little bit there. I don't want to overwhelm her because I think that's almost worse than if my kids didn't care than if they cared right. and then totally rejected it. Well, that's I, I had that thing with Rebels. Like we were watching it uh, uh, with Zoe. My wife and I were watching it with her and and. She kind of lost interest, and and I I was I was just kind of like, yeah, that I think that's okay. I think I think it's okay to to not be wall to wall Star Wars all the time. You know, I think that was I think that was making it. I actually, I remember at the time when when uh, when Rogue One came out, I remember my wife and I were saying like, I think watching Rebels actually hurt my enjoyment of Rogue One because Rogue One is essentially a very big Rebels episode. That's a really good point. And, yeah. And and it was like I I've seen this kind of just on a, like a, a much cheaper smaller scale, uh, a lot of it just kind of played that way. And and I was like ah that sucks because I I would have rather just enjoyed this movie than watch those episodes, even though I enjoyed Rebels too uh, to some extent. But um, but yeah, I I guess I have to like and I, I've always been one of those like, I, I my my fandom is is kind of like I, I'm not like one of those. With most things, I'm I'm kind of uh, hot and cold. Like I I never was. I've always known. Like my whole life, I've always known people who are more into Star Wars than me. Even though I think I'm very into it. Like there's always people who are like I always have the friend who who read all the the novelization. You know, he, he went to the expanded universe mm-hmm. or extended universe, whatever. And then you know, there's people who I didn't watch all of Clone Wars. I watched some of it with with my daughter because she like, she got into that more than I did even. But then I think that's what burned her out by the time Rebels was was you know into its run she was just kind of like yeah i'm, I'm good like i'm right. good with it and and i'm okay with that too like yeah so i i guess i'm for a long time i felt the sort of like i felt this weird sort of shame about like i'm not a bit i'm not a true fan because i don't consume every aspect of everything like i don't read the comics or i don't you know because like in the 90s there were comics there, there were the dark horse comics um and i just never bothered you know to get into them and it's like that's okay you know I, I think i just have to forgive myself and just be like that's who i am I'm, I'm a guy who i'll show up for the big stuff and i i'm better off for me to enjoy those things i'm better off skipping some of the smaller things there's also and, just um, too much right now well not too much too well, much maybe is the wrong yeah. word there, for some folks it's just enough I, I, right but like for I, it's too <laughs> you yeah. have two kids i have two kids we both work yeah like you know trying to find time for everything is very very difficult Yes. Yeah. And, and it's, it's so, I, I just don't want to be in the position of like episode nine's coming out. And I'm like, Ugh, enough with star Wars already. I, I want to be excited to see, I want to, I want to be excited to go back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, although the big thing that we were sort of talking about off air that happens before that is the Disneyland, the yes. star Wars land, which I, I was going to transition into before we go here is just, um, yeah. have you read much about it? You know, they I think it was just last week or whatever that they, they, they put out some stuff that I sort of avoided. I didn't, didn't actively avoid it, but I never I didn't dive deep into it either. I just I saw like a couple of snippets here and there about like, you know, you're going to see like R2D2's tracks are going to be in the cement or you something. Can buy, you can buy blue I, milk, etc. Yeah, yeah. So I like I'm, I'm kind of torn. But and this is the thing with these movies, too, is like I always have this internal debate of like, do I go complete? like shut everything off and try to avoid anything with it with a with an amusement park it's a little different because it's not like there's plot points that i need to worry about but it would be fun to walk in there not knowing anything and right, just seeing right. it and like experiencing it without any sense of what it's going to be although it's interesting 
when they started building it, you know, we go to Disneyland maybe once or twice a year. And, uh, I remember one time like a year or two ago, we went down there and you could see what was very clearly the iron sort of skeleton of an ad at like just rising up out of the, the, the construction site. And I was like, Oh my God, I got so excited. And then there's a, the, the part, the star Wars land is, is sort of adjacent to frontier land. Um, at Disneyland. And so if you go on, the, <laughs> if you go on the big thunder mountain railroad, it, when you get to the top of the roller coaster, you can kind of look out over and see a little bit of what's happening in star Wars land, like as they were building it. Or, and I think that's still the case, although I don't know if they've done more to, to camouflage mm-hmm. it, but I, w- I would literally go on the ride just to see what I could see <laughs> from over there. And you really didn't see anything that interesting, but but I, it's very. I mean, I'm very excited about it. Um, I know it's going to be kind of a nightmare in terms of crowd size and stuff like that. Yeah, but, I am trying my uh, damnedest to get a press pass for like a pre-opening. Oh, uh, my, that'd be incredible. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, it, it's also what's hard is that you know you can drive to, to Disneyland in an hour, whereas I'm in New Jersey. Right. <laughs> I I am yeah, far away from any right. from either of the locations. You know, um, are did they say when? Because I know they they kind of moved up the the. The Anaheim opening date, but is is the is the Orlando one also opening this? I want to say Orlando is opening in the fall. Okay, yeah. So I think the Disneyland one's going to be a little bit for like a little bit yeah. sooner, but it's all probably going to be a little bit smaller because they didn't have as much land. To yeah, work we just uh, we just took our kids to Disney World in April of 2018, and so mm-hmm. uh, I knew it was coming, but just the stars aligned that we could do this trip, and so we kind of had to do it. And but now my yeah. daughter is like, I think she's more excited about the galaxy's mm-hmm. edge than she is about any of the movies or anything like that and so she wants to go yeah. but i was like kid you know how much of a nightmare it's gonna be and how expensive it's gonna be it's gonna be just you know i'm gonna have to win the lottery to do all the stuff that i right. want to do there yeah yeah but yeah. um i'm excited to hear about it you, you definitely have to go i mean you're you're close enough to, yeah you know yeah we have to just figure out like i mean there is there is no answer to like well it's just going to be insane from the moment it opens for until the foreseeable future. Like there's no, like there's no getting around the crowd issue. It just, you just have to, you know, go when it opens and, and run the hell in there and, <laughs> and try to experience it as much as possible before it's so mob that you can't the, move. But I, you know, they do an okay job of crowd sure, control there yeah. too. And, um, you know, there's one thing, the only trick that I know of is, um, there's one, one weekend day, uh, that if you stay at a Disneyland hotel, you get to go into the park an hour before the general. I was public. just going to so, say that that I I know Disney <laughs> World does the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So like it's like Saturday you can go into Disneyland an hour early, and then Sunday you can go into California Adventure an hour early. And so it might be worth going down Friday night, staying in a hotel, and then getting in there early. But uh, yeah, I I'll be there. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> I know the one thing my wife was reading about it. And she was like, one of the people, one of the Imagineers who worked on it basically said, there, there, there you will see grown men crying when yep. they walk into this place. <laughs> I was like, oh, damn, that's going to be that's gonna be, oh, that's gonna be me completely. Uh, yeah. Well, Matt, this was a lot of fun. Um, tell folks where they can find you on the internet and what you have going on coming up in the near future. Sure. Uh, you can always find, well, I, I, I guess I'm on Instagram at Matt Belknap. That's sort of the last social media thing I'm still doing because I'm trying to get away from it for the most <laughs> part. But uh, but you can check out Never Not Funny, the podcast that I co-host with Jimmy Pardo. That's uh, you can follow that on Twitter. You can follow you can find us on Facebook. You can 
find us at earwolf.com, which is the network we're on, or just search whatever app you use for podcasts. Just search Never Not Funny and check it out. We've had some some really good guests recently. Um, Darcy Carden from The Good Place was just on. She was a delight. My wife is so excited we just had to Stephen hear that we're, we're behind, but she's a huge Good Place fan, okay. so she's so excited about that. Yeah, it's the best, and she's amazing, She's and she's really funny. And then Stephen Merchant from... You know, from everything, from the creator of the office, uh, you know, one of my heroes. Uh, that was awesome to have him in the studio. So, yeah, check out Never Not Funny. Um, and then adjacent to that is that every spring we do a charity event called Pardcast-a-thon, which is a 12-hour, um, it's basically a 12-hour live stream version of Never Not Funny. We, we have new guests every half hour and uh, mostly comedians, but some celebrities, actors, musicians, um, people like Conan O'Brien and John Hamm and Sarah Silverman and Zach Galifianakis usually show up. And, um, it's all for uh, a, a great charity called smile train. We're raising money for smile train, but, but more than that, it's just, uh, it's, we just try to pack as much entertainment into 12 hours as we possibly can. And, um, that streams live at nevernotfunny.com on March. Actually, oddly enough, it ties into this. It, it's uh, May 4th yeah. this year. So, there will be a bit of a Star Wars theme to it, probably, <laughs> just because it's May 4th. And we are trying to get Mark Hamill. I don't know if we're going to pull it off, but that's my dream is to, to have Mark Hamill on. Uh, we'll uh, talk off air about something. Oh, wow. Really? Okay. <laughs> no, I'm full of shit. I have no, I have, I have no information. <laughs> I just want it to sound cool on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's. I, I imagine every May 4th he's got something or or just very uh, is very much like not interested in leaving his house but uh if we can't get him i just anybody we gotta we gotta find somebody that we can get that's from the star wars universe it's pretty it's a pretty big group of people at this point so you'd think maybe we could be able to get somebody like uh i don't know kelly marie tran or something (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot of fun people that you know that are in that world who may be gettable if if it's not mark hamill but I think he might be gettable. I don't know. He's he's a guy who likes comedy. He like he's he's a funny yeah, dude. And, one of my good uh, friends is a, US, a UCB performer out here in New York. He actually just moved to LA last month, but he made his bones out oh, here cool. and he did uh, ASCAT with with uh, Mark Hamill one time. So, nice. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, he's seems like a very good dude. I know people who have met him, and you know, everyone says he's he's just a great guy. So uh, fingers crossed. But yeah, that's uh, May fourth. Uh, NeverNotFunny.com from noon to midnight Pacific time. And, uh, you know, there'll be more info as we get closer. One to that year, day. I'm going to have to try and make it out for that. I say that every year. But... Oh, it's so fun. Yeah, it's it's a blast. It's uh, we, we do it at this comedy club in Burbank uh, called Flappers, and it sells out immediately every year. But um, but luckily, you can watch it on the yeah. internet. So you don't, have to, you don't have to sit in the comedy club for 12 hours. <laughs> and, uh, podcast listeners we're the hosts of the dc3 cast i'm zach i'm vince and i'm brian each week we discuss most of the new releases from dc comics focusing mainly on rebirth wildstorm and young animal 
We also look at the news of the week, discuss the film and television adaptations of DC material, and dig into industry rumors. We've also had a number of DC creators on our show, like Scott Snyder, Jim Lee, Christopher Priest, Steve Orlando, and Joshua Williamson. So, if you like Borat jokes, my no wife, bad to Dio impressions, this is bad, what the f***? And an in-depth look at DC each week, join us every Wednesday morning at multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. Come get Jurgens with us.